Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome back to Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. So I have here today my lovely, beautiful friend. Her name is Kate Jerkins, and Kate Jerkins is the SVP of Global Sales and Marketing for Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey. She oversees areas of sales, marketing, and distribution efforts throughout the United States and beyond. With more than 15 years of experience in the hotel and hospitality industry, under her belt, Jerkins brings a fresh perspective to the spirits world and to her role as she works to solidify Uncle Nears as the top premium spirits brand with distributors and at bars and at restaurants worldwide. Jerkins joined the Uncle Nearest team prior to its launch in 2017 when founder and CEO Fawn Weaver approached her about the idea of starting the whiskey brand. Her extensive experience leading sales teams and ability to grow and cultivate global companies through her leadership has proven invaluable for the brand, which reached nationwide distribution in less than two years after the initial launch. Under Jerkins, Uncle Nearest has become the fastest growing independent American whiskey brand in history. Was started as a temporary project for Jerkins quickly to turn into a mission and role that now brings her an immense amount of pride. Previously, Jerkins served as a vice president of sales for JRK Hotel Group, director of sales for Visory Hotels, and director of sales for SLS Beverly Hills and W Los Angeles. Jerkins also worked as a brand immersion trainer for W Hotels, which she credits with helping her understand the importance of developing a brand. A native Californian, she grew up in Monterey and Petaluma before moving to Los Angeles to attend the University of California, Los Angeles. She currently resides in Los Angeles with her husband and three kids. Wow, I truly love her. Without further ado, this is Kate Jerkins. 
Hello, 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 and welcome to Amiga Hand Your Shit podcast. Hello, amigas. You know, I have this fantastic guest because, you know, I always bring it. I bring my guests um, and they are amazing. But this one in particular, it has a bomb ass life. Why? Because she is part of this amazing group that runs this whiskey company. And you're going to be like, oh, what? A, a woman in a whiskey company? What? Oh, and there's more to that story. She is the SVP Global Sales and Marketing for Uncle Nearest Incorporated. And Uncle Nearest is a company that has been known as the first African-American master distillery company, right? So I'm excited to have her here. And I know, amigas, you're going to learn a lot about not only about Kate, but also about this company and the journey that uh, she had to make to get to this point in her life. And so I'm super excited. Welcome, 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 Kate. How are you? Yay, thank you. So good. So happy to be here. Oh, well, we are in for a great treat today, Amiga. So, all right, Kate, I always like to know the history behind the woman that appears on the screen. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I met you um, because her kids go to my kids' uh, school, and I loved her to death from the moment that I met her. But um, what, one of the beautiful things that I get to um, have within my circle is to have these amazing amigas who are powerhouses and who do things that are out of the norm, quote unquote. And what she's doing is so powerful and so prolific that I can't wait for you to hear this. Now, she um, is not originally from Los Angeles. Um, she's from Northern California. And, um, and so I'd love for her to share how, did, how, how does a woman from Northern California come to LA? What, what happened here? Well, you're not going to love this part of the story because I went to UCLA, Jackie. So that's <laughs> how I ended up here. But yeah, I grew up in Northern California. My parents were both, um, I was born in Monterey, lived in Sonoma County for a while, and then ended up, I went to a boarding school for high school, which was a little different. Um, so I went to an all-girls boarding school from the age of 14 on, um, had some family support to get me there, but it was a really, like the best decision for me at the time. And then ended up at UCLA where I met all my, like so many amazing friends and ended up meeting my husband there. So we just never left Los Angeles and Los Angeles has become my real, my home. Oh, uh, yes. She attended UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to falter, <laughs> falter for that. You know, you all know that I'm a Trojan, but hey, UCLA is amazing. It's a fantastic amazing. school. And so, um, uh, yes. So, okay. So you're at UCLA. So what did you decide to major in marketing or what was your major back then? Yeah. So it's so funny. And this is why I always tell my kids study what you're interested in. So I studied history. I studied Spanish and I studied business. I did all three. I spent um, a full semester abroad in, in Spain. And, um, you know, I really, everything I did doesn't necessarily correlate exactly to what I do today. Um, but, you know, developed all the critical thinking and all those critical social skills in college to be able to um, move on. But in my mind, I thought I always wanted to be an event planner. So when I left college, that's what I went to do. So I was doing events for the Hard Rock Cafe, which was, I mean, it was 
a minute ago. It was really cool. <laughs> oh yeah, back in the day, back in the day, hard rock was like the mom was like the yeah. best place, right? <laughs> and we did like we did like um premiere parties up at Universal, and eventually I had a really amazing mentor, a woman at that time. Um, who, you know, just said to me, she said, you know, Kate, like, this is great. You're really great at hard rock, but this is like, I see more for you. And I think you would love hotel sales. And so she really mentored me and helped me figure that out. And so I ended up um, in the hotel business for about 15 years. And that's where I met our founder that I work with today. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's, yeah. let's dive deeper into this. Okay. Yeah. So going from event planning into hotel sales. So at hotel sales, like, what do you do there? Like, was it also marketing or what did you do more planning or what do you do there? A little bit of everything, but yes, it's like I started out hotel sales. Really? It's so un when you, when you break it out, it's like not as exciting as it sometimes sounds, but we basically worked with big groups and meetings and events and big corporations. So let's say Nike has to come to LA hundred times a year, or, you know, they have team members traveling, like we would set up corporate accounts for them. And so I always kind of handled like in the fashion world, some entertainment, and then like high end leisure for various hotels. Um, so Los Angeles is known for sort of the Los Angeles to New York for like sort of the start of um, boutique hotels, kind of non-branded hotels. So my first job was at the Avalon Hotel in Beverly Hills, which was so cool back then. Like oh. I was hanging out there and then I got the job there and I thought I was like the coolest person ever. Uh, I worked for Viceroy, Santa Monica, Viceroy Palm Springs, um, Oceana Hotel in, in Santa Monica, and then worked for a few years for W Hotels and then Luxury Collection, with, um, which was Starwood, now Marriott. So I did a very like a lot of different things, but by the time I was 28, I was a director of sales and marketing for a hotel, and I had my first VP sales role when I was uh, 29 years old. Wow! So that's what I was doing. Wow, that is like impressive because you don't become VP at the age of 29 that easily. I mean, really, a lot of hard work. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of hard work, right? So here you are. You're at the top of your game, but yet. Something happened because you are no longer in the hotel business. So mm -hmm. what happened? Yeah, so actually, so that VP role was interesting and I tell it like sort of tongue in cheek, but I was hired by a company where the culture was came into question quite a bit, but they gave me this huge opportunity. They gave me lots of money. And so it felt like, oh my gosh, I'm 29, I'm gonna do this. And so I spent three years there. I learned a ton, but it was not a cultural fit for me at all not one bit and um, eventually kind of had to start over in the hotel world, which is when I went into the W hotels and SLS. But about three years into that, um, Fawn, who I work for now, called me and had a completely different project um, and asked me to help her with that. So right around that time, I had started really getting into yoga and spin. And I'd actually started teaching like yoga and spin classes for a company called Yaz back in the days. And Yaz was like, kind of, Yaz was pre-soul cycle. So they were kind of one of the, like the, it, it was combined. It was a combined yoga and spin workout. It was in LA, very cool, very well-known pre-soul cycle. Um, so I was teaching there just for fun, like before work. And just, I just loved it and loved the community and ended up um, leaving the hotel world because I kept putting it in the, in the universe. The hotel world is really, it's tough. It's um, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you have to be there for 10 hours a day. It's like a no, it's like a, you're, it's not when you enter it, it's never like nine to five. It's like, you're there all day. And then, you know, eight to six at a minimum, but then it gets to a place where because hotels never close, 
you're sometimes in these moments where you're like, I'm still here. Are you still here? We're still here. We all just, and, and you know, these days became long and sometimes just unnecessary. I don't think we, it was very social. That's a very social job. So probably the work we could have gotten done in six, it took us 10 or 12 hours to get done. And I had two young kids and that just, that wasn't working for me as much. So this position to be able to work from home for this yoga and spin company was everything. And it was during that time um, of discovery that then Fawn, our founder, discovered the story of the, of the brand that we're with now. And about a year and a half in, she said, Hey, like, do this with me. I'm going to open a, a, a whiskey. I'm starting a whiskey company. And my response was, but I drink Chardonnay. Um, <laughs> no, nothing. Yeah. Like, girls, like, it was like, literally like the, girls drink whiskey. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Because it's always been known as a gentleman's drink. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, like, and, and, not, and not young gentlemen, like gentlemen, no. gentlemen, like adult, real men. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I mean, when you see people drinking whiskey portrayed in, you know, advertising all over. I was just did a talk on this. It's always been men. Um, the reality is though, at that time, our, women made up about 30% of bourbon and whiskey drinkers. So it's not like a, it's not a small amount, but it definitely was not even, not a, it's not an even uh, 50, 50 on that one. Right. I, absolutely. Yes. I, I concur with that. Okay. So here, here you have this woman, her name is Fawn, a director. Um, and you mentioned about cultural fit. And so mm -hmm. I really want to segue into that because I know that is super key and important to this conversation. As you yeah. know, this is Amiga Handle Your Shit. And yeah. a lot of our, a lot of my listeners are Latinas. But what I wanted them to know is that you're Caucasian, but here you're entering into this amazing company that really it's like powerhouse women are running this company. So please, please tell us the history yeah. behind this. It's a big loaded question, but please break it I'll down. I'll get there. Us. Oh yeah. Well, I'll say from a cultural fit standpoint. So the business I came from in hotels was a lot of, it was a lot of men and at, at the top, it's more and more men. And, um, I love men. I can talk football. I can talk baseball. I can talk sports. I grew up with an older brother. Um, but there sometimes never felt like there was enough air in the room for men that like just in some of the interactions I had. Um, and you know, for an example, when I left the company, I was told, I, you know, I talked about too much travel and all that kind of stuff. And in this particular company I was working for the, the answer to me was, well, if you were my wife, I would have wanted you to make that same decision. Not oh giving God. me any credence to like, you know, who I was and making my own decisions and all that kind of stuff. So there's my cultural, that's what I was sort of running from is like, it, you know, and I think, um, you know, when I worked for Starwood Hotels, they had this huge executive leadership push to get women involved. And I felt that was a big push when I went to work for Starwood in that company, because I felt like they, they were trying to integrate women. Um, for Fawn, working for Fawn, I mean, like a female entrepreneur, that's pretty incredible. And she's really inspiring. I mean, she's an entrepreneur. She's written books. She's a New York Times bestselling author. I will say when I joined up with her on this whiskey, you know, mission. Um, you know, we didn't really realize we were going to become this all female powerhouse, but it evolved that way. And it wasn't until about a year and a half ago when a reporter actually said, do you realize like your whole company is run by women? <laughs> hmm. You know, cause we have amazing men in our company, but really at the top, it was, it's all, it's all women. And I think I, oh, I think I'll, I'll just digress. You know, this particular business is not super diverse. And in fact, our company is working on several initiatives 
um, on, you know, in DEI. So for me, in the first couple years of trying to figure out distribution and figuring out how to launch this whiskey, I was kind of like virtually patted on the head, right? Like here's mm-hmm. what you're going to do. Oh, oh, okay. You know, you've never done this before. You're a girl. <laughs> yeah, right. You got. Um, and I've talked a lot about how, uh, I love my husband, but I feel like every meeting I go into, it's like a room full of my husband, like, you know, 40 something year old white males with like the same shirt. And that I, we knew that we were going to have to do things differently. Um, you know, I told the story recently at an event, I have a 310 area code I'm Los Angeles. And so I was calling people to try to, you know, get people on board with the whiskey and people wouldn't call me back. So I'm like, maybe it's because it's Los Angeles. So I actually have like two phones. One of them is a Nashville phone number. I thought "Mm, maybe that'll help if people think I'm from Nashville. I'm more legit selling Tennessee whiskey. Nope. So what we did is we had Fawn's husband, Keith, start reaching out to people. And guess what? He was getting immediate responses, emails back, voicemails back. And so what he did, which was awesome and why we love Keith, our feminist friend, is he'd be like, great. Thanks so much for calling me back. Here's Kate or here's Sean. <laughs> he never had it. He's got a full-time job. He's got a huge job with Sony. He's like, I'm not here to do their job, but if it's gonna take, you know, because you needed a man to to be the one to reach out, cool. But here they are and they're the ones you're gonna do business with. And um, you know, people sometimes ask, was that offensive? It's like, yeah, yeah, but you know, we can we can only change what we can change. And in that moment, our, it wasn't about us, it was about um, about this, this mission we had to, to get the story out. So we couldn't, you know, we didn't have time to be upset. It was just more of an observation during that time. So talking about the mission to get the story out. So now tell us the story behind this whiskey, because I find it super impressive. And I remember, um, watching a segment on NBC and I'm like, Oh my God, that's Kate's whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is pretty, 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 prolific and and amazing so please tell us tell us the name the brand everything absolutely so i'll start with our founding story so in 2016 the new york times wrote an article about it was the 150th anniversary of jack daniels and in that article it mentioned that a slave may have been a hidden ingredient of jack daniels and then went on to talk about near screen Well, our founder, Fawn, was on a trip in Singapore, and she read the, it was actually the front page of the New York Times in Singapore, and she's like, you know, Fawn's an African-American woman, she's reading this, and she's like, a slave? And Jack Daniels, like, what is this? So she started digging, and what she found is she didn't find a lot of information on Nearest anywhere. So she's a super smart entrepreneur. She bought up as many URLs. She, she, you know, she basically, like, in her mind, knew she was going to do something about near, like, about and for Nearest Green from that moment. She started pulling as many Jack Daniels history books as she could. And it just basically started this flurry of research, which landed her in Lynchburg, Tennessee, where Jack Daniels is located for her 40th birthday. So again, badass. Her her husband's like, let's go to Paris for your 40th. She's like, no, I'd like to go to Lynchburg, Tennessee. And Keith's like, two black people go into a place called Lynchburg, Tennessee for your 40th birthday. This does not sound right, but okay. And when they got there, Fawn told everyone she believed what she'd uncovered is the story between Jack, Daniel, and Nearest was one of honor and love, and she wanted to hear more about it. And if it wasn't going to be an honorable story or one that was kind of sorted, she just didn't want anything to do with it. And what she found was this. Um, Jack, as a young boy, lost his mom about four months after he was born. 
um, ended up, he had nine brothers and sisters, ended up with a stepmom. And by the age, it's the ages are all a little bit blurry, but maybe let's call it eight or nine. He decided he was going to go out on his own. He didn't love his home life. And so he ended up on this farm working for this reverend named Dan Call. So Dan calls a reverend, he owns this farm, he has a small family, and Jack just goes there and his like, his errand boy, like does kind of everything, the pig slop, all that kind of stuff. But he kept noticing all this steam in the hollow behind him, and he kept asking the reverend what this was, and eventually found out that, or the preacher Dan called it, he found out that what was happening is that whiskey was being made back there. And the person making whiskey was Mirist. Um, and then during that time, he was referred to as Uncle Nearest. It was a term of endearment and affection. And Nearest actually was lit, was on that farm. Dan had rent, at least him or rented him because he was known as the best whiskey maker in the area. And so Dan also, Paul also had a little corner store and was also selling whiskey. There's a lot of controversy there in the South. If you're like a preacher, you're, you just, you know, you, he, <laughs> he's like, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and selling the spirit. So it was a yeah. little controversial. <laughs> Talking about the Holy Spirit and yeah, the Spirit. I love all that. the spirits. So <laughs> all the spirits. Yeah. So Dan, over time, once Jack sort of showed him like who he was, um, Jack introduced Nearest and Jack to one another. He, he introduced Nearest and Jack to one another and said to Nearest, you know, teach him everything you know, and said to Jack, This is the best whiskey maker I will I know. And so that started their relationship. Over the course of time, Jack became like a really strong marketer and salesperson. He's this little little guy. He kind of, he was about five foot one, we believe. And was selling whiskey, which was, by the way, highly illegal to soldiers during the Civil War, um, and was really like out there selling this whiskey and getting a name for it. Um, over the course of time, Dan had to give up the whiskey still in the whiskey business. He chose it, the Holy Spirit. And so <laughs> Jack actually bought the still and bought that, you know, the distillery or the still from, from Dan Call. And post-Civil War, so we're kind of fast forwarding through time, but post-Civil War, he actually hired Nears to be his first master distiller. So again, the significance, we're talking about Lynchburg, Tennessee, deep south, you know, Nears and Jack had had a relationship that was one of, you know, mentor, mentee, post-Civil War, Nears could have left, he was a freeman, but he chose to work for Jack, and Jack paid him, and Jack paid him like he would have paid anybody else. And not only that, but he also employed Nearest sons, who um, you know, he had gotten to know as a young boy as well. In 1884, around there, we, um, the, Jack Daniel decided to move the distillery, his full distillery, into where it is now in, in, in Lynchburg, Tennessee. We believe Nearest retired around that time, and then um, Nearest sons began continue to work for Jack. And actually, to this day, there's still three uh, green uh, family descendants still working at the Jack Daniels Distillery. Uh, so what we know and the story that came to light is that Nearest's, Uncle Nearest, Nearest Green, was the first African-American master distiller that we know of and taught a young Jack Daniel how to make whiskey. And the process that he was teaching is a very particular process that can only be attributed to Tennessee whiskey. So it's a process of it's an extra filtration through sugar maple charcoal. Um, filtering through charcoal can be traced all the way back to West Africa. So it's it's a learned, it's, it's a learned um, process that was brought into the state. Other people were using it as well, but Nearest happened to be the one using it, perfecting it, and then was teaching Jack to make whiskey. So right now, if you want to call it today, if you want to call yourself a Tennessee whiskey, you have to follow all these, you know, criteria, including filtering through sugar maple charcoal, which is what Nearest had perfected. So that's oh. our story. Oh my <laughs> God. 
I love that. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So this is like, you cannot um, call yourself a whiskey distillery unless you, you do it through this extra filter. Uh, what did you call it? Filtration. Filtration. Yeah. So in Tennessee, yes. to call yourself, so there's like, you know, Jack Daniels, Tennessee whiskey or Jack, George Nickel, Tennessee whiskey. If you want to say Tennessee whiskey, you have to use this filtration process. And so we really coined, actually one of our team members called, you know, nearest, he's like the godfather of Tennessee whiskey. So if you trace back to the origin of Tennessee whiskey and this process and the process that Jack Daniels distillery was using it, we, you know, it's, it's nearest, it was a process nearest had also been using. Um, and so when Fawn discovered this whole story, like that weekend of her 40th birthday, she bought the Dan Call farm. It was for sale, which was wild. So she bought it because she knew there was so much history there and, and there is, and that's like a whole nother day of just talking through everything she uncovered there. Um, but by October, she started a foundation. Um, she knew she wanted to do something to make sure that the green family knew what their, you know, what their lineage was and what their legacy was. And at this big meeting with all the family members, she said, so what else can I do? I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And someone raised their hand and said, let's put his name on a bottle. And so that hadn't even been in her. She was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what she did. And so it, it's all, you know, she really, the intention was a foundation, writing a book, writing a screenplay, all these other things. And then someone's like, but let's go a step further. And so she really honored that request. And, and here we are. And here we are with, with this whiskey. This is a beautiful story, amigas. Um, uh, I mean, really, this, this is a man who was a slave who created this amazing product that is now being used and has branded, uh, what is it, branded the, the extra filtration for, yeah. for, and you can't, that is amazing. So, yeah, and it, and it, and it tells, what it told us is that there's many more stories to be told right, of, of African-Americans and their contribution to the, our country and the start of our country, but not just African-Americans, but people of color. Um, I have found this, I thought this was interesting, I was thinking about this before we got on today, but we did our, when we did our first commercial and we had some market data that was given to us and actually we found um, not just African-Americans, but also um, Latinx, like Latinx was very, very, like people were very, very drawn to our story as well and have continued to be. And I think where it resonates is this story of, um, of a forgotten contribution that's being honored now. And it gives people so much hope. And we know, look, you know, Europeans landed here with a bank, right? There was a lot of other stuff going on and you know, so we, we, everyone has to acknowledge that this country was not built by the Europeans that just like landed here and sort of took, and took, not even sort of took over, but by Native Americans and by people that were here and then by people who were brought here unwillingly and yeah. were not being compensated for what they were doing. And I in know. fact, were being enslaved and tortured and all that. I mean, I, I can, we can tell that whole story. It just, it's, it's uh, for me, just to play a small part in um, in telling a, a story about somebody forgotten is so powerful, and I think there's just so much more to come. There are so many forgotten stories out there, so many. I know that in the Latino community, I mean, we can we can 
do a dissertation just based on that right now. But, you know, I really love this story. I love that um, you're a part of this amazing company. And um, I think that amigas out there, if you're interested in finding out more information, um, uh, you can definitely contact Kate and yeah, or go directly to UncleNearest.com. Is that? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. And And where can we find a bottle? Oh my gosh, everywhere. Well, if you go on our website, you can type in your zip code and find it. But um, if you're here in California and LA, it's at Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and BevMo and all those fun places and lots of fun restaurants to consume it as well, honorably, as we always say. Yes, <laughs> honorably. And yes. okay, I have a question now. Do you also sell, like, for instance, like if I you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I want my own whiskey, but I don't want to go to these stores. Is it possible to get it directly from you guys or, or now? Yeah. So, so the spirits business is funny. So we can't sell it direct to a consumer. It has to go through this like tiered process, but you can buy it online. It can be shipped to you. And the way that works is like behind the scenes is it gets the order goes to a store and the store ships it. But yeah, you can, you don't have to go out. You don't even have to go out in the world. You can have it delivered. And there's also so many cool stuff like um spirit like drizzly and all these places where you can ask or instacart you can ask them to just like deliver it to you and you can get instantaneous whiskey you know at your door how <laughs> um, nice not i love it i love it and and let me tell you something just a tidbit amigas is that you know obviously kate is my friend and so whenever we go out she's always like hey do you want a whiskey drink <laughs> on me yeah, yeah <laughs> always like, oh great <laughs> that's amazing i love that. always I, i'm converting my i'm converting vodka drinkers one by one that's what one by one saying. <laughs> one or, or and tequila or five by five or tequila drinkers i know <laughs> i do love tequila, tequila. i love my tequila too though don't get me wrong do you know but jackie's you know, made me jackie's given me expensive taste in tequila <laughs> though <laughs> and you know what whiskey i mean it is a it's you know but it's i don't know how can i say it's it's not it's not that it's tough it's just it's like oh it's a slow um yeah. you know taste to you know because it is a it's like, is it smoky? Is is the nearest green smoky? Yeah, there's all different ones. So ours, like we have different flavor profiles, but the one that I like, our 1884, the most, it's my favorite, has like sort of like tobacco notes and a little bit of vanilla. And I literally just drink it like, a, I would drink what, a, it's called a highball, but just a whiskey club soda and a big slice of orange. And it's like so delicious. Delicious, yum. Yeah. All right, my friend, as we're getting closer to the end of this conversation, I always ask, my amigas if they could provide one or two tips on how an amiga can handle her shit and i know you can <laughs> yeah i will say um i will say the best it was from a recruiter who gave me this advice but now i give it to people all the time when i was transitioning from that one job that was lots of money but wasn't necessarily the best cultural fit as he said you know you're up on this merry-go-round are you going to keep going like going and going you're not going anywhere right you're there you know, or it was you're at the blackjack table and you, you know, you're, you're, you're winning, you're winning, but what's your ultimate goal? When are you going to walk away? Those are sort of the different things he'd given me. And, and so it, for me, it is, 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 it doesn't matter how old you are either, but if you're not happy in what you're doing, regardless of the amount of money that you're making, but you don't feel good deep in your soul and there's any kind of dread, you know, of waking up in the morning, you know, don't quit your job today. Don't do that. Come up with your plan B. That would be my thing is, is, is you know be smart do you know but come up with your plan b know you always have another option you also come up with your plan c but you don't have to sit in dread you can always there's always another plan ah oh, 
I love that for sure. Because believe me, I've had so many plans. <laughs> and yeah. I had to come up with my my plan B. Thank yeah. you so much for that. I love that. And you know, what I keep, I wrote down here is like forgotten contribution. So I feel like that's so important that we as amigas out there recognize that there are these things that we can do um, to contribute and to bring light to these amazing stories. And, and this one is by far a pretty badass one. I can totally <laughs> say, I love it. Thank you so much, Kate, for being Thank here you. with us. Thanks and for having me. So fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. I love that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.